Welcome to Crosspoint Fellowship. James Green is very talented. James wrote that song. He writes lots of songs. Uh, if you like that, you want to hear some other great stuff, uh, go on Facebook to The Broken Binding. Uh, also, there's a YouTube channel. Also, he's got one song on Spotify. More on the way, a new album coming out. What's the title of your album? For All the Lies We Tell. For All the Lies We Tell. And the art on the album is awesome. Thank you. It's exciting. So I didn't make it. Uh, but it's your album, so you can. <laughs> uh, I've known James a long time. Uh, very talented. I remember James when he was uh, uh, in a punk rock band called 77 Jefferies. And uh, good times, buddy. Good stuff. Welcome to Crosspoint. Uh, and we're going to get this started. Who's, who's singing first? You're singing first. I'm all warmed up. Okay. You set the bar very high, so continue <laughs> to set the bar high. You stand with me if you guys want. I was buried beneath my shame. You carry that kind of weight. It was my tomb when I made you. I was breathing but not alive My failures I tried to hide It was my turn Till I met you Call my name And I ran out of the grave Out of the darkness To your glorious day called my name and I ran out of the grave out of the darkness to your glorious day now your mercy has saved my soul now your freedom is all that I know the old made new Jesus when I met you you called my name and I ran out of the grave out of the darkness to your glorious day you called my name and I ran out of the grave out of the darkness your glorious day I needed rescue my sin was heavy chains break at the weight of your glory I needed shelter I was an orphan now you call me a citizen of heaven when I was broken you were my healing now years in that I'm breathing have a future my eyes are open when you called out my name, I ran out of the grave, out of the darkness, to your glorious day. You called my name, and I ran out of the grave, out of the darkness, to your glorious day. 
Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Crosspoint Fellowship. Just a couple of quick announcements. If you're in leadership, you have a meeting after church. Congratulations. Uh, Chase and I are meeting here at the church, 
at 5.30 a.m. Monday, Wednesday, and Friday if anybody wants to join us. Nobody has taken us up on the offer so far. That's okay. If you come once and never come back again, that's okay too. We're just letting you know because we're here, so the doors are open and unlocked. If you want to come pray with us, uh, that's great. We can pray for you. What's going on in your life? Generally, we pray for, for the church, for the staff, uh, and any other needs within the congregation that we are aware of. Uh, it's a little chilly today, so the kids' area will be open during the sermon, but once we start hearing the music again, what's that? It's Yes, your kids can go to the kids' area, which is outside, yes. Um, but once the music starts playing again, we're going to go ahead and let the kids come back in because we don't want to keep them out there the whole time just because it is chilly, but they will be out there uh, during the sermon. Also, uh, one more thing. It's going to get me in a little bit of trouble. It's my wife Chelsea's birthday. Chelsea, raise your hand. She really hates, she hates being the center of attention. Uh, so she's not going to like this. But on the count of three, we're all going to look right at Chelsea and we're going to say happy birthday. Okay, one, two, three. Happy birthday. I appreciate you and you're beautiful and everyone can take their five-minute sabbatical. Three, two, one, go. Currently, right now, I'm stalling because we're trying to fix something. So I'll tell you a story about a time that I... I don't really have a story that comes fresh to mind. Uh, this Friday, this Friday, we won another football game. That's cool, right? I coach football. We won uh, 46 to nothing. Um, our, our, listen, 46 to nothing. Our, we could have scored probably 100. Our JV played the entire second half. And their team had seven yards of offense so uh, throughout the whole game. So I'm going to take that as a win. Uh, are we, we're still not fixed, so I don't really what – what exactly are we fixing? Ah. <laughs> All right. I, I think I just need to go, right? Am I – we're just going to have to, we'll post later or something, but here we go. Okay, we're in week four of our series, Beatitudes and Beyond, and this week we're looking at Matthew chapter 5, verses 20 through 20, 21 through 25. Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 through 20, 25, so I think the verses will be up on the screen. If they're not, follow along in your Bible app, uh, and we will kind of break this down. Now, I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but we live in a world where chaos thrives. People Love it. Yeah, exactly. Jerry Springer, uh, NASCAR crashes, reality shows, uh, unfortunately now presidential debates. Uh, we know that we should look away when our world devolves into this type of darkness, but there's something about it all in the sin that's within us that just doesn't allow us to look away. Now, it's one thing for us to be present when chaos occurs. It's an entirely different thing for us to be the catalyst of disorder or mayhem in the world that we live. As Christians, as Christians, as followers of Christ, we have a responsibility to keep and promote and seek peace. To keep and promote and seek peace. So Matthew chapter 5, 21, we're going to read uh, 21 and 22. It says, you've heard it said to the people long ago that you shall not murder and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you, anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. 
And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Now see, Jesus contradicts the Pharisees' teaching here like he does so often because the Pharisees were simply teaching, as long as you don't murder somebody else, you're going to be just fine. And we can all agree with that, right? We, we can all agree we shouldn't kill people, hopefully. There's anybody out here who has issues with that? Don't talk to me about it, but go talk to somebody else. I'm kidding, you can talk to me too. Uh, but we, we all need to be on the same page there, and that makes sense to us. We shall not kill. Okay, don't kill, don't take life. That I can understand. But Jesus goes above and beyond and talks about it's more than the physical action of just taking the life. It's about the heart condition behind what leads us to that point. And so he's warning the people, even when you get angry, even as you're approaching that point where you may get close to being like, I could kill this person. And maybe we've all been there too at some point in life where we're so mad, we just think, I could take that life, right? Um, We've all been there. Jesus talks about how it's a matter of our heart. It's a matter of what's going on inside of us, how we are feeling and how we're allowing that feeling to control our actions. Six times in Matthew chapter five, Jesus says, you have heard it said, but I will tell you, or but I tell you. Six times he says that. Six times, this is what you have been taught, but I'm expounding upon it. I'm going a little bit further. And we have one of those instances here. Jesus is going beyond the teaching of the religious teachers and straight to the intent of God. God's intent, as stated last week, is to keep us holy. That's the whole point of the law, right? We're chasing after holiness, not lawfulness. God's intent is to keep us holy, and that should be our goal. And we're not holy when we let our temper run rampant and unchecked. Now, I know nobody wants to admit this, so I'll be the one to admit it because I do this most of the time, and I've gotten used to it by now, but I have a temper, Now, I'm pretty good at keeping it under wraps, I think, but then when I reach that point where it comes out, it's not a real easy way for me to put it back in, right? It's kind of like a shake up a bottle of wine and uncork it, right? You uncork it, and there's not like, oh, let me try to catch this wine, put it back in the bottle. No, it's just out. I get angry. That's usually where I'm at. I say things I don't mean. I go for the jugular. I try to hurt people's feelings. If it gets physical, my goal and whole intent is to try to end you before you could possibly hurt me. I'm just being honest, okay? That's where I'm at. Now, that is ungodly, in case you were wondering if you had any questions. That is ungodly, and that is what Christ is talking about in this moment. Jesus specifically mentions those. Listen to this, because this is the one that will get us. This is the one that really sinks in and helps us understand. Jesus specifically mentions those who get angry and, as a result, take a position of superiority and then start calling names. See, we often don't think of ourselves in this type of danger of being uh, um, in danger of experiencing the fires of hell because we can sit here and say, well, I've never murdered anybody, never killed anybody. I'm in, within that command. And then Jesus say, no, 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 it's, it's all about your heart. It's all about the intent. So even when you get angry and, and you think that you're better than somebody else and you start calling them names, you start telling them how stupid they are and how dumb they are and how wrong they are and how correct you are, you are in danger of the fires of hell. Now, that one stings a little bit, right? I'm up here preaching week after week, calling people morons. Huh? Huh? Yeah. I'm going to pretend that didn't happen. Um, But we get in danger the minute that we start to even approach that point where our character flips and we turn away from godly love into rage and anger. I mean... 
I'll be honest, God does make it clear. There's some justifiable times to be angry, right? We're told that Jesus never sinned. Scripture makes that clear. He was still the guy that was flipping tables in the tabernacle, right, when they turned it into uh, a market. So there's times where anger is justifiable, but we're not to sin within that anger. We're not supposed to reach that point where we delve into making people see our darkness, that makes sense. As Christians, we are supposed to be people who keep and promote peace. Here's the thing. We can't afford as followers of Christ to let the wickedness in our hearts endanger people's view of God, endangers people, their view of God. We can't let that happen. This isn't something new. This isn't something I haven't told you before, but as representatives of Christ, as Christians, people see Jesus the way that they see us. When they look at you and they look at your actions, they look at the way you treated them, they look at the way you treated somebody else, even if they came in 10 minutes after the situation started and they don't know what it's really about, they just see you being ugly, that's how they see Jesus. So-and-so is a Christian, right? And so we have to be really real and, and, and mindful of how we approach the world because people are going to see two things. They're going to see the Jesus that is loving, kind, and compassionate, a God who seeks justice and righteousness, or they're going to see an angry, vengeful, vengeful, unloving God who flies off the handle whenever things don't go the way they want them to. And it's up to us to determine the God that they see. And that's why Christ demands that we seek peace. If we look in Matthew 23 and 24, it says, Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar and first go and be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. It's kind of crazy right now. If you ask me, we have Christ demanding that we seek peace. That's not the crazy part, right? He's made that very clear. We are to be peace seekers. We're supposed to be peacekeepers. But, but Christ is speaking specifically about a person who comes to the altar with a gift for the forgiveness of their sins, to give to the Lord, to approach God and say, here's the sin of my life. Here's what I've done wrong. I want peace between me and you, God. And Christ is literally saying, hey, you need to postpone that for a minute. Leave your gift right there, because if you realize that there is some sort of contention between you and someone you love, or you and somebody you're even acquainted with, you need to get that fixed. And here in this passage, there's a very important distinction that we have to realize that's taking place, because this isn't about us forgiving them, right? It's not, not about that. We kind of, I think we find that easier to do, right? You get in kind of a tussle with somebody, I'm not tussle makes you think physical. I'm not saying physical. Some sort of argument, some sort of, you know, discontent with someone else where, where you guys just aren't on the same page. You're not in a good place. You're fighting. You're bickering. Maybe you've completely separated yourself from one another and that relationship is gone. It's over with. It's dead. And we, we can find it easy from a distance to forgive that person and to not allow that whatever it was to continue to control our lives as we move forward. We can do that. We're pretty good at it, actually. I can forgive from a distance. You know, I've forgiven that guy. Um, I, it's not going to control my life anymore. There's no animosity towards him. But we also don't, like, go and try to resolve that situation. Does that make sense? Like, we're okay with just letting bygones be bygones. And really, really, honestly, not harboring any ill will, but just 
saying, hey, that relationship is kind of done and over with. But this is Jesus saying that you need to seek that person out to receive forgiveness from them. Not so that you can be forgiven, or not so that, that they can be forgiven by you, so that you can be forgiven by them. We're supposed to seek out people who have issues with us, whether we think it's justifiable or not, whether that issue is just theirs and not ours, we're supposed to seek them out and to seek peace and to seek harmony and to get back to a place that we once were. Christ is literally saying, do that here to the point that that we're supposed to put on hold seeking that out with God. Remember the the Lord's prayer We ask God to forgive our debts as we forgive those who have debts against us. But Christ is even saying, hey, you've got to go get debts against you taken care of as well. Christ makes it very, very clear here that obtaining their forgiveness should be important to us. It should be important to us. And if you have a situation in your life, and here I go being too honest again, I have one in my life that's lasted years that I've never ever, not once, seek to resolve or come to a place where there may be peace again. And, and here's the honest truth. I, I may go to that person and I need to. I know I need to. I'm obviously preaching about it and God says it's important so I should make it important to me. That person may not forgive me. And when you go and you seek forgiveness, the person you seek forgiveness from, they may not forgive you. And guess what? They may be downright nasty to you. And it may bring up hurt feelings again and they may be vengeful and they may say awful things and it just may not be a good situation, but Christ calls us to do it. In Colossians 3.13, we're told to bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And here's the truth. Frankly, when we seek forgiveness from another person, we put the onus on them. The ball's now in their court. We've done our part, assuming that we did it sincerely, right? Not just like, hey, I'm sorry you were such an idiot all that time ago. Um, you can forgive me at any point, right? Like, no, that, sorry, that, that doesn't exactly work. It may make us feel good to say at the moment, but that's not what Christ is talking about here. We have to seek forgiveness, and we, we have to, to be sincere about it. And when we do, like I said, that responsibility is now on them. We've done our part. We have done our part and we can hold our heads up high and we can have a clear conscience knowing that we did what we could to rectify that situation. And if there's no desire on their behalf to rectify it, then there's nothing we can do about that and may God deal with them. You know, what Christ... Uh, desires of us before we seek peace with him. I've said this as we seek peace with others. And here's the thing. It's not because reconciling with him is less important than reconciling with others, but because to him, reconciling with others is simply important. Okay, it's simply important. I don't think that Jesus is necessarily saying here that it's important that you have everything cleared up with everybody else before you try to get things cleared up with me, but maybe that is what he's saying. I mean, Scripture makes it clear that there is a certain reciprocity here, that we are to forgive others as Christ has forgiven us, as God has forgiven us. We're supposed to bear with one another as Christ bears with us and all of our wrongdoing and all of our mistakes. We're supposed to treat people with that same love. And it's, frankly, it is important to Christ that we do so. 
So I just have always thought that, hey, if something's important to Christ, if it's a priority for him, then it should be a priority for me. And it should be a priority for you as well. You know, Matthew 5.25, he goes on to say a couple things that make it sting even a little more. He says, settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you are still together on the way, or your adversary may hand you over to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown into prison. So there's two key parts here that I believe are worthy of noting, two key things that we as Christians need to take from just that one verse and carry with us. The first is this. We need to settle matters quickly. We need to settle matters quickly. Some of you out there, I know some of you, are better at holding grudges okay, than others. Not going to say ladies. I won't say that. I won't say that, but every husband around the room at that instant just looked at me like this, right? Just saying. But there's some out there that are just better at holding grudges than others. And you can hold on to something for a long time. If you were wronged, oh boy, right? That person is going to seek forgiveness or forgiveness is not going to be sought, right? And, and whew, we're to settle matters quickly. Meaning that the instant that we get angry, the minute that we realize that we did wrong, or the minute that we calm down, we need to try to fix that thing then and now. You know, I'm, one of the frustrations in Jerrica and I's marriage has been that like when there's an issue that arises, I don't really have to talk it out. It's been forgiven. Like it, whether it was something I started off stupid and she said something hurt, like if she said something hurtful, it, like I forgot about it. It's been forgiven. I'm just how I'm built. I don't know why I'm built that way but I can quickly get over almost anything with anyone, right? If there's a sorry that's said, okay, I'll take you at your word, right? You can be a jerk to me over and over and over again. As long as that apology happens, we're good to go. That's just how I work. I like to live in peace. I like to live in harmony. I don't want contention. I don't want there to be anything else. I'm not saying that Jerrica's the opposite. I want to be very clear there, okay? But sometimes she needs to talk things out, which makes perfect sense, actually, if you think about it. But I'm simple. I like food and water and air and football games. So I don't need much else outside of that. We need to try to adopt a little more of that attitude. Not to where we get to a point where like we're ducks and the water just rolls off our back, right? And like nothing ever bothers us and we don't care and it's all good and treat me however you want and say whatever you I'm not saying we have to get to that point, but we have to get to a place where we realize that the kingdom is more important than the now, right? The kingdom is more important than what's happening here on earth. And we are representations of the kingdom. And we don't have a lot of time here on this earth. We know that, right? Like if COVID has taught us anything, it's that it can be over very quickly for anyone at any moment. I had the first... COVID-related death near to me happened this week, this last week. And man, it was tough. And it did. It made it more real. Not that like it needs to be any more scary or that, you know, the 200,000 people that have died isn't like a clue or a signal that this is a serious thing that is killing people. But man, when it hits close to home, it makes it very real. And it, it makes you realize how fragile life is. You know, my brother-in-law has somebody that he was really close to that he'd worked for all through college that died in a car accident this week. Life can end at any moment. And we never know when. 
We spend too much of the precious little time that we we have, I almost went Russian, that we have here on earth. (laughs) Shut up, Grant. (laughs) I I don't know why I have. Hello. I have a problem. Uh, Yeah, that, that totally took us to a completely different spot. Going back to the serious point, we spend entirely too much time here on earth battling it out with one another. Shut up, Siri. Golly. Literally just did a search for Bing Crosby. How'd that happen? Not lying. All right. Well, where was I? Yes, we spend entirely too much time here on earth battling it out with one another, battling it out with our fellow creation, and not enough time focusing on how we can build the kingdom. We spend entirely too much time doing things that we have to apologize later for rather than making sure that we are pushing people towards God. And it, it's a travesty. It is. It's tragic. It's tragic that we waste so much of our lives being angry. It's tragic that we waste so much of our lives trying to get even. It's tragic that we waste so much of our lives focusing on how somebody can get what's coming to them. when we should be focusing on how we can get Jesus to come to them or how we can get them to come to Jesus. Because that's the entire purpose of us living here on earth, frankly. You know, I I think so often about, like, when is Jesus going to come back again? Because if you have read scripture, we know, we're told, Jesus is going to come back again. You know, when God wiped out the, pretty much everything except for the animals and Noah and his family with the flood, it devolved into a place where there was literally nothing good left. The only goodness that God found was in Noah. And I think that if we look at our world, we can be honest and we can say that our world is devolving in front of our very eyes and it is getting darker. Go look at the number one song in the world right now. And don't look at it in front of your children or anybody you don't want to be embarrassed in front of. And tell me that our world is not getting worse. Sorry, it is. Now, is it to a place where God's going to bring a flood? No, because he said he wouldn't bring a flood again. I don't know if it's going to be fire or what's next. Maybe a giant hailstorm. Let's hope that's not the case, right? I don't know. I don't know what happens. I do know this, that when that time comes, Jesus, uh, hailstorm, not going to be a hailstorm. Jesus is coming back. Hello, people. Jesus will come back, see him on the clouds. There'll be, I'm assuming, trumpets, hordes of angels, and we'll know. It'll get to that point. But until that point, all I know is this. It's our job to fight for what's good. It's our job to fight for what's holy. It's our job to seek peace in this world that is chaotic and broken. It's our job to try to be the glue that mends those broken pieces back together the best that we can until God comes back and fixes it once and for all. And that's why the second lesson that we learn here is that it's never too late. It's never too late. See, Jesus tells them, fix it, fix it, settle matters quickly. But hey, even if you're on the road to court with the person accusing you, even if it seems like it's at the very end of the time where you might find forgiveness, seek after it. Until the last moment, try to find peace. Don't let them get you before the judge because the judge may not find things in your favor. Seek peace now. It's never too late. It's never too late. We never get to a point where forgiveness can't take place. And even if they have decided that the only course of action is for us to be punished, when they've equated you to a person that deserves persecution 
And prosecution, even then it's not too late. Even then we don't give up hope. Even then we still try. Hebrews 12, 14 says, make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. With holiness, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. As I stated to start the day, we have a responsibility to keep and promote peace in a world that is sinful and is chaotic. We have a peace. We have a peace that brings about a stability unknown to non-Christians. I sincerely believe that. We have a peace like nothing else. See, because Christ came to give, not as the world gives, but to give us something greater, to give us a gift of peace. Think about it. When Jesus entered the world, what did the angels bring with them? A message of peace. And it is our job to bring that message of peace to all that are around us. You see, peace is more important than your political affiliation. Peace is more important than having your ideas justified. Peace is more important than being on the right side of history. Peace is more important than proving that you're right. So seek after peace, desire peace, crave it, make it a priority. And remember what we were told on day one of this series in Matthew 5, 9, or maybe that was the second week. Either way, blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Let's pray. God, we come to you right now. We thank you for this day. God, I just hope that this message resonates with all of us. I know it certainly resonated with me. God, we need to be people who seek peace in a world that is just absolutely chaotic, in a world that is broken and sinful, in a world that says that people need to be punished and that people deserve to be punished and that we need to look down upon others when they hurt us. God, help us to be people who rise above that thought process. Help us to be people who seek peace above all else, who go and try to obtain forgiveness when forgiveness is needed and to forgive others when we need to forgive others. Help us to be people that don't hold on to grudges but are quick to move past things and quick to try to resolve issues with those that we love and those that we are just acquainted with. God, we want to be a shining light in a world that is dark. We want to be a reflection of who you are. We want people to see Jesus in the way that we live our lives. And we want people to have a true reflection of who you are and who Jesus is and not the angry, wicked, sinful creature that we can sometimes be. Because that doesn't represent you, that only represents us. But the world does not know that. So convict us, God. Place it on our hearts to be people who, above all else, want to bring the world back to a place of equilibrium, want to bring the world back to a place that peace can be fostered and that peace can exist. Above all else, God, may we love you and may we love people. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I want to be down here worshiping. If you need to come pray with me, please do so. If you want to use our stage as an altar, do that as well. Um, guys, if you have an issue with somebody in your life today, whether that's somebody you're exceptionally close to or somebody that you haven't talked to in years, I would encourage you, I would encourage you to seek peace, to seek their forgiveness, whether you think that you need it or not. Because one thing that I have learned is whether you feel like your actions were righteous or whether you know that they were wrong, 
the person who feels the way they feel, those feelings aren't illegitimate. They feel that way for a reason. Even if maybe they judge a situation wrong, they feel that way for a reason. So if you have any type of situation like that in your life, then by all means, don't waste any more time in getting that corrected because you never know which minute may be your last. Stand with us and let's worship God in this time. All these pieces broken and scattered in mercy gathered, mended and whole, empty handed but not forsaken, I've been set free.
Guys, the band's going to play one more song. This is the time that we take our offering. You know that since the whole COVID thing started, we haven't been passing a basket. If you look back there, if you're a person who likes to give in person, there's a box underneath the lamp and next to it, there's some envelopes. If you give in person, whether 
especially cash, put it in an envelope, just put your name on it so we know who, who gave it. We can keep that record for you. And then, uh, frankly, around tax time, you'll, you'll get a record back of what you've given. Um, let's just pray. God, we come to you right now. And again, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this offering that we are about to receive. God, I pray that you give us the wisdom and the knowledge of how to best use this as a church and as church leadership, God, as we help move our church forward and push us towards a direction that hopefully God is just winning souls for the kingdom. Help us to use this money the best way that we possibly can to foster uh, that taking place. God, I thank you for each and every person that's here or watching online. And Lord, we just pray blessing on their life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. you, Lord. Oh, your mercy never fails me all my days. I've been held in your hands from the moment that I wake up until I lay my head. I will sing of the goodness of God. the goodness of God. I love your voice. You have led me through the fire and darkest nights. You are close like no other. I've known you as a father.
much for being here. Have a great week and join us next week at 10 a.m.